Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. about tonight I had, this is the second time that I'm I'm preaching for the evening church a message that will not be preached at morning church with how the sermon series and things will play out and I really feel this is something for us here tonight uh, for a moment, it's going to be, well, it's actually for quite a big part of the sermon. You have to hold on because I'm going to be a little bit academical tonight and, and throw a few terms your way. But it's not to sound smart. It is to get your brain to understand one or two of the very foundations of our faith. And if you have this, if you get this, it will change the way you worship and the way you walk with God. So I want to take a little bit of an academic route before landing it into a, a, a devotional way and then responding, everyone, we can respond together at the end and turn our hearts to God, responding to these truths. Is that okay with everyone? Um, if you are new around here, it's just something we, you'll hear around here or even see on lampposts. Love God, love people, reach the world. We love you. Uh, we would love you to have a great, full relationship with God. And, and one way we do that is to to be a balanced congregation. We want you to be at church, which is a great time to worship God in song and hear His word. We also want you to grow in your love for people. And for us, even though it's not limited to small group and loving God is not limited to church, but small group is that place where we get that heart started to love people, right? And we want you, with a, a, we have a very clear next step for you if you are near around here. We'd love you to join a small group, and we'll help you find one. You can go to the, to the connect table at the back or bump into someone and say, hey, take me to your small group, take me to your leader, something like that. And then we'd like you to reach the world. We want you to go out there, tell friends about Jesus, and tell them about the place where you worship and where you go to small group and invite them along. Awesome. Right, let's get into tonight. I want to get into this word righteousness a little bit understanding righteousness the key to being free in god scripture says if the son has set you free you are free in uh, you are, you are free indeed why do i often feel like i'm not free you know sometimes i feel caught around the ankles and sometimes when I pray, it's like this little bit of opposition. My lips will just not flow. It's, there's something else than freedom pressing up inside of me. But it's once we go back to this idea of what is righteousness, and we look at it biblically, that chains fall off again, and we get to worship freely. So we're going to... Un- back that word a little bit. I just want to do a little, a, a very quick previously on. Last time I preached, we spoke about um, the fact that the, the person who knows how to deeply repent knows how to love greatly. Who remembers that? Remember the, the, the woman of the street, the woman of the night washing and crying on Jesus' feet. And he says, the one who 
has many sins forgiven is the one who loves much. And it speaks about very deep repentance. And we said repentance is not only for the bad times. Repentance is not something you hope you do once a year. It is a continual unpacking the heart of idols. You know, it's... This is your heart here, and it's not literally coffee. It could be. But, but getting the stuff out of our hearts, that's taking up a little bit of space and allowing God more and more of who we are. That is probably a better way to look at repentance, because if we examine our hearts, we will always have stuff to unpack before God. Isn't that right? So let's move away from this idea that repentance is a once-off thing. You maybe repent initially. There's a massive day. There's a moment. There's a night. There's a, there was a church or a camp where you gave your heart to God. But as you live, you continually are turning towards him and unpacking the heart of, of idols, which gives us great joy. But tonight, I want to talk on righteousness righteousness. What is this word? Because wherever it speaks of Jesus saving us and people coming to God and people being washed and sinners being saved, we see this word righteousness. And I want you to forever look at this word in a new way after tonight or in a deeper way. I just want to pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this moment. Thank you for everyone that's here. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our righteousness. We love you, Lord. We submit to you. And we look to you. We look away from any and every idol in our heart as we turn our face to you, our righteousness, our everything. Help us to worship deep tonight. Help us to be free as we understand what you have come to do for us, Lord. What a God we serve. Amen. This word is a difficult one because the way it's being used in the modern era, it, it, it gives it quite a bad rap. Isn't that true? You know, you'll hear something like, oh, you think you are more holy than me. You're so self-righteous. Right? Oh, people in church are so self-righteous. Actually, they are hypocrites. I don't think I want to belong to church or go to a church or actually commit to one church because I always find out these people are hypocrites. You know, they're so self-righteous. Sometimes it, it's hard to say from a pure heart to maybe speak to friends and say, hey, it's really God's will that we are more righteous because even if we, believe, we, we, we speak it from a biblical point of view, hey guys, let's, let's be righteous before God. It's like that negative part of it that just it comes along. But what is righteousness? And I want us to look at it tonight. Now, the... The typical thing that we will hear in the world today that might jump to our mind is that righteousness equals 
holiness or righteousness means being morally excellent, which is not a bad thing, but righteousness is a little bit more, a little bit deeper than that. And I just want to read what's on the screen out loud. With God, our righteousness does not equal being without sin, but rather being accepted. That is very important. That's very important to get this. If you don't get this, then you have to pray that the Spirit helps you because this can be a great block. Did you know that every believer, after giving their lives to God, even, God, even though God may look at you pure, you still have sin. Did you know that? Okay, 1 John 1.8. If we say we do not sin or we do not have sin, we are lying. So being 100% righteous cannot mean I am 100% without sin because Scripture says you have sin. It's on you. You are being clean. And when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. What is biblical is that you are 100% accepted. Get that. Being righteous, when you give your heart, your life to God, you are not partially accepted by God. Are you with me? You are 100% accepted by God. You are His adopted. Not only your one leg and the other arm, 100%. Are you 100% without sin? No, He loves you still. The opposite of righteousness is rejection, not impurity. The opposite of righteousness is being rejected. Ultimately, by God, we experience it in this world as well. Is there a place where, where we grow and where, where morality plays a role? 100%. But let me tell you this. Being 100% righteous does not mean 100% without sin yet 100% accepted. Are you with me? This is very important. What causes God to accept you or not? You know, you look in your heart, you're like, yeah, I've got this great skill. Who'd like to eat these? That's like good, eh? It's this, this part of my life, surely, I mean, obviously God loves it. I mean, everyone loves it. It's a good part of me. I'd like to show this part to people. This is my Facebook post, this one here. But this little dirty rag here, I don't like I hope God doesn't see this. And also I don't like people to see So this is not going to make Facebook. And it's a part of my heart I hope no one sees. I've got some half-formed fruit in my life. All right. I hope my salvation doesn't depend on this. I've got stuff I cry about at night. Some of the tears is sin I, sins I've committed in the past. I'm struggling to get away from it. Is God going to look into my life, which I know he can do. We all know that he can see in the darkness. And then once he's moved around everything here in my heart, then he's going to say, Accepted or not. Every person walking the face of the earth at one stage in their life fear this moment. What if he comes and audits what's in here? 
What will make that God accept me? You know, I, I want to put a, some, a one or two real life examples into this idea of righteousness, just to maybe get an emotion to it. Who of you changed high schools in the, mid, in the middle of high school? Was there some of you? That's hard, eh? That's a hard thing to do because normally when you get there, you wonder, I wonder if I'm going to be accepted. And when you arrive there, you have your old school clothes on and you're like the one person that, that doesn't fit. All right, or you come in, 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 in casual clothes. I don't know if that's worse or better. But you wonder, will I fit? And when everyone looks at you, they know at least superficially you don't fit in here and you just feel like everyone is looking at me at this moment. Having been accepted at a school, experiencing that would be in the same way as the community says, I'm right for them. I'm right. I can come in. I'm righteous. I've got a standing with them where I am accepted. Who's been to an interview and stressed for one, two, or three days, waiting for the call to come back? Hands up. Who's stressed? Come on, be honest. Why is it so hard? Because when the phone call comes, you will know whether you are good enough. Accept it. Accept it. I actually wrestled with this once as well. So some of you will know that I've been on Survivor 2018, but I actually applied in 2013. And I was the male reserve that stayed in South Africa. Congratulations. And they said, we will phone you before a certain Friday, 12 o'clock, if we need you. And I thought they were joking. I thought they just playing with us because I mean I had to measure like from here to here and like from my heel to my knee I'm like I mean who goes through all those effort they're probably joking and I remember I was still at a shofar conference and it was the Friday morning nine o'clock and I'm like where's the phone call where's the phone call when's it coming and 12 o'clock came and 12 o'clock went my heart broke because even though, and it shows you in the moment, I, I was in the flesh because I was sitting there amongst brothers accepted and loved by God, but I felt rejected. I felt I was not good enough. And it's funny, when, when the one producer came to my home the next round, um, he, he said, you know, he had his phone up he said, so Vanna, you know, you, you've been in the system for a long time and you're going to have to be in it for a little while longer because you're going, right? And I was so glad. And he said, do you have any question? And I said, I have a question for you. Why did you not take me the first time? And I still don't have my answer. But I have peace now. But it's this whole idea of being accepted rejected now the bottom line of righteousness it goes far beyond people family loved ones the question is am i accepted by god or rejected that is the bottom line of righteousness am i right enough for god when he looks at me into my heart and i'm here tonight and i know what i've done and 
maybe what I'm doing at the moment, if he looks in, will he judge me fit to be with him? Or will he push me away the same as the person who divorced me? One of the greatest rejections you can experience is when a spouse walks out of your life. And I know some of you here are married. A lot of you here are not married yet. Some of you have, have experienced this with parents. It hurts very deeply because what's being said is you will never be accepted with me in a way that we've been never again. And I find some people, it's a really a miracle when people divorce and fall in love with Jesus because it's very hard for them to believe that God will accept them when another human pushed them away. Righteousness. It's very important to understand. It talks about being accepted. Are you with me? So I've got a question for you. We've said it this many times, but it's very important. What makes you righteous before God? What makes you righteous? What brings you in? Why are you accepted? The answer to that question is so important. If you have it wrong, it might be that you are not Christian. Why does God accept you? That's very important. Now let, me, let me show you some of the stuff you'll get on the internet, and I'll give you a hint. This is not where you get your righteousness. So I actually screenshot these pictures because I don't buy junk, all right? So I screenshot it to show it to you. Listen to this. You have greatness within you. No. I know you might have this compared to another person. You have this. And you can try and hide it when it comes to other people. But you know that this thing bothers you because this is here. This does not help us. This does not help the person who is honestly looking into their heart. Let's look at the next one. Love unconditionally, but rely only on yourself. How do I rely on this? I mean, I'm a person who went through that. I did that. How... On earth, can someone ask me to rely on myself? I mean, I, I, I maybe can do this. I'm all right with this, but he knows I battle with this at night. I can't rely on myself. This is the stuff the world is telling us. They're all looking at the wrong place. Look at this glorious nonsense on the screen. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. If this was true for me, I would be in big trouble. I'd be in big trouble. So I praise God that I'm not. Last week in the morning service, we learned, he's the one who knows every bone in your body. Placed it together. Afrikaans says it beautifully. If there's someone English next to you, just translate. It says, God weet of ek reis en of ek oorblij. You are not the master of anything. He knows whether you go or whether you stay. Amen? 
Let's, let's read together how Paul answers this. He says, look for the dogs. Now, in Afrikaans, this is very funny. It says, kijk vir die honde. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't help but have that song playing in my head. You know, it's kind of <laughs> look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Mutilate means to harm, to injure, to incur an injury on something. How do they injure the flesh? For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He says, look out for the people who hurt others by showing them that confidence is within themselves. This is the deepest you can get hurt. When you are being told what they call the false teachers or the dogs for years and years and years that it's in you, it's in you, and then one day you discover it's not in me. Look at what Paul says. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, he's done some great stuff. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now he lists his spiritual CV. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisees. In the temple back then, Paul basically had superstar status, all right? As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I had gained, the nice stuff, I had counted loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. It's not only this one that's rubbish. It's everything in here. If it is relied on to be right with God. All right. Count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Listen up, here it is. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Let me ask you again. What makes you right with God? If for a moment you want to jump to your heart, you know, I... Stop. What makes you right? Always, old school Bible commentators will say, what your righteousness is alien. It means it comes from somewhere else than yourself. Because each person, if they really look in the heart, will realize they're not blameless in their... Let's go on for a moment. So I want to teach you two terms tonight that maybe, you can, maybe you'll forget, maybe it'll sit in your heart, maybe you'll remember it. Jesus does everything necessary to bring me to God in relationship, to be righteous with God. And he does two things. He pays everything I should have paid and doing everything I should have done in my place. Now, 
There's two terms. The one is the passive obedience of Christ and the one is the active obedience of Christ. Which one you think fits where? One is at one, one is at two. Who wants to take a shot? Who wants to take a shot? Which one do you think would be referred to as the active obedience or the passive obedience of Christ? When Jesus laid himself down on the cross like a lamb to be slaughtered, he did not speak. He gave himself over. It's called the passive obedience of Jesus. It was the moment he paid your debt. Bah. That was the moment that the penalty of your sin before God was paid for, not by you, but by him, his passive obedience. At that moment, God would say, okay, you owe, you owe me nothing. But at that moment, you have done nothing great. So, so in a way, you would say, God is not neither delighted in you, nor does he want you to pay because Christ paid for you. But we know he delights in you and he loves you because not only was, was Jesus passively obedient, but he had an active obedience where he did everything in his 33 years of life to please the Father to such an extent that his whole life is given to you. So that when the Father looks at you, he opens the heart of Jesus and his life. Remember when he wanted to get baptized, what did John the Baptist say? No, what did Jesus say? It must be done to fulfill all righteousness. I must live the life, John, that you are required to live. I must get baptized like people should. So he does get baptized, the one man without sin. And in a way, I want to say, let's say you give your heart to Jesus today and you are washed and you get out there and, and you, you're in a car accident and you died and maybe you, you're like, oh man, I wish I was baptized. Jesus was baptized in your place. All right. There's not a reason not to get baptized. But that's how extreme God goes because every time you say a word that you should not have said, there's words of love that Jesus spoke. God gives that to you. Every time you have an impure thought towards a woman or a man, you're like, man, where does this come from? The purity of Christ becomes yours. The active obedience of Jesus. And we've asked it before in this church. That is why Jesus did not die as a baby. He had to live a righteous life, which is given to you. Isn't that amazing? What causes you to be accepted? The death and the life of Jesus. And that's why when Christians get caught doing a good thing, and people ask them, like, really, why do you do it? Believers in tune with the Spirit at that moment don't refer to what's in their own heart. Oh, you know, I've just brought up that way. Oh, you know, someone did something for me that I could never have done for myself. And I'm just trying to be like my hero, my savior, Jesus. It's just a little bit. But I don't want you to look at me. I want you to look at him. You see what happens because, you know, I'm accepted because of what he did. Isn't that amazing? 
the passive obedience of Jesus we see also in Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own. Something is given unto you from the outside. It is the gift of God. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We all like sleep has gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him. See the passive obedience. Laid on me, Lord. I will wait. And I will not get off the cross. Give every sin. Give every debt. Everything that a human must pay. Give it to me. I will not get off, Lord. I will stick. Sometimes you feel, man, I'm so unfaithful. How can God love me? It's a good thought to have, but follow it up with a great one. There was one who was never unfaithful. And it is his life that counts for you. When you know this, you worship differently. Don't worship like this. That's how you worship. When you think you've got some great stuff in here, this band just get done. I've got stuff to get to. Wonderful life. You know? When you get this, you worship differently. And actually, you don't, have, you don't care so much anymore about, about you know, is, is everything all right up here? Is the sound just right? Is the song... You, that actually fades away. You, you can stand under the tree out there and have a very, very deep connection, connection with him because you see, you have learned to rely on the one that's within, not the circumstances without. It's very important for our church and for every church, I believe. Got a little bit of a table just summarizing up as we go. We, we are not going to be long, but don't tap out, all right? Paul starts by saying, watch out for those who mutilate the flesh it's a man-focused righteousness. Why? Why does it mutilate the flesh? Back then, they had to circumcise themselves. It literally had to cut a part of your body off. And some people thought that made them right with God. They only hurt the body. But they've not made any ground in the spirit. But in the same way, even though we don't circumcise people anymore, except for the Jews out there, we still do this with people sometimes when we lay on them the responsibility to pay for their sins with their works. We hurt them. They can't take it. In their bodies, they get injured. Because man was not made to pay for something that only Jesus can pay for. And so the opposite of hurting the flesh by trying to, to pay is to freely receive God's forgiveness of sins in the Spirit through the death of Jesus. Passive obedience. Are you with me tonight? I know we're starting up Bible schooly, but this is very important. We have to go deep so that we can worship well, worship in spirit and in truth, right? Paul goes and he lists all these things. I'm not going to read through it on the next slide. He says, there's his CV again, circumcised on this day, a part of his tribe. He goes on to say, I've counted them all as lost, verse 8, so that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that depends on faith. If we go to Romans 5, 18, 19, it almost puts um, passive and active obedience next to one another. Therefore, as one trespass, 
of Adam led to the condemnation of all men. So one act of righteousness leads to justification, forgiveness. One man laid himself down for one moment on a cross. Yes, he planned for his whole life, but that moment was the forgiveness. But it didn't stop there. For just as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, which obedience of Jesus? Every day of every hour of every minute of every night of every day, he was obedient to the Father. He never turned to the right and to the left that many will be made righteous of that life. That's scary. That should blow you away. You should want to say, I need to think about this. So if I just have a grid up again, in the same way that the flesh can hurt when we go with our body to forgive our sins, if we live in our own strength, we mutilate our hearts. I need to show God how good I am. I need to show the pastor how good I can live. And I'm going to do all these things. And I'm never going to sin again. I'm going to show them out of my strength. You'll only hurt your heart. You can never do it. You can never earn acceptance through what you do. It will only mutilate your heart. It will hurt your heart to earn favor. But... You can have the favor of God because of the righteousness, the life of Jesus. I no longer rely on my own life, but I receive the sinless life of Jesus as my own. Why is it important to understand righteousness? It is at the core of the gospel. What will you tell someone out there? Try harder or believe in Jesus? It's very important. Now, this is very important because one of two things will happen if you go for this on your own, in your own heart. The first thing that will happen is if you think you are doing great, if you think you are doing well, you'll think, man, I'm actually hot stuff, especially compared to Aubrey, you know. Definitely compared to Hanu. I mean, I'm out there. I don't want to be compared to Estelle. We're not talking about her now, all right? So pride sets in, because I, I focus on these things. I obviously ignore this one here. But look at me. I'm actually great. And when sinful people come into church, you won't mingle with them because you are better. We won't do that here. Let it be known. That's the one thing that will happen. But with that pride, you know what comes with it? Actually anxiety, because now you need to keep it up. You are anxious. You are anxious. Am I going to be able to keep this foot in front for long enough? And when they catch you, you will justify the heck out of the argument because let you be caught of God. It's the end of this. Pride and anxiety goes together. Watch out. Sometimes when we think someone's always anxious, we think poor them and we should pray for them, but sometimes the root is pride. They want to do it themselves. Whereas if it can be handed over to Jesus, the anxiety will go. All right? It's not always as easy as that, but just catch the principle. On the other side, someone might focus on this. Only it's hard for them to see. We are, we are made differently, right, in our temperament. Sometimes people have great skills and, and they actually are great friends, but they only focus on these, okay? Just how they're made. They, 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 
They're made to problem solve. It's hard for them. And so what happens is they enter into despair, trying to work for acceptance. But you can never get it right. You either swing to pride and anxiety or to despair. Intimidated by people, scared to speak with people. What if they see? What if they find out? What if they look into my heart? What if a small group sees that I'm, I don't know scripture? Because you think you have to know these things to be accepted, but you don't. It's on the life and the death of Christ that you are accepted, not on these things. But sometimes there's a little bit of hope for the person that struggles with his despair because they think, but one day I will get it right. I mean, I look at Hannah, he's 30, I'm 24, so I've got six years, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to cup unlike this, and then one day it's going to be different. And then what often happens, and I know you're a young crowd, but we can be mature about it, you hit something we call a midlife crisis, where you realize, okay, I'm not getting it, not getting there. That's what it is. One day it will be different. One day it will be different. And then one day it's not different. Nothing's going to change here. You see, there's one Savior. And there's one way. One name given. His name is Jesus. He knows what to do with this. But one thing this cannot do is give you acceptance with God. Are you with me? Let's wrap up. Let's finish up. Understanding righteousness is the key to being free. I am free from the burden to pay for my own sins because Jesus paid it for me. Know that tonight, all right? Know that. People who get this tend to do better when sinners come through the door because they know I'm just like them. God just got to me first. And the second thing is, I'm free to live for Jesus. Listen up. Without the fear of failing or letting God down. Why? Since it is not my life that makes me righteous, but the life of Jesus. So I can live with faith. I can make mistakes. People who believe righteousness for what it is take steps of faith. They're not afraid to fail because it's not about their failings or successes that matters. It's the failings or successes of Jesus, which is only success. So they can go. This is very important to be free to obey the calling God has placed on your life. You may fail and say, luckily, luckily, I am not accepted into the kingdom on the way I just spoke to that person. But by the way, Jesus spoke to people but Lord, now that I know it, forgive me and help me next time. Amen? So what I'm saying here has got one big implication, and we're going to wrap up and pray and respond to this. I am saying today that nothing you do causes God to accept you. But some churches will not like that. Some people do not like that because they want you to to do stuff. They want you to do stuff for God. They don't want people to be passive and they're scared. And maybe for moments I am as well. If I tell you you don't have to do anything, that you will do nothing around here in the kingdom world come. And sometimes maybe there's in the heart of a preacher a little bit of manipulation. You know, you might you better you better you fear mark though, you know. But let me tell you what. God is into love. 
God is into love, not into manipulation. Let me tell you something. I'm going to use a brutal example. Is that okay? I'll do that around here. Sorry if I offend anyone. Imagine a husband and his wife being intimate, right? And the next morning, the wife comes and she says, I want extra money for grocery. I offered myself to you to be intimate, so I want more money in my budget. It's exactly what we do to God if we think he will love us more when we work for him. What if you have a friend that washes you with kindness, phones you, wants to know what's going on because they know you are going on holiday and they want you to take them with and so they are playing up to it. And we think God is like that. He will not do it. He will only take one type of service, one type of worship, one type of love, and that is the love that comes from a person which God says, I'll give you nothing more. I've, gi I've given you everything right here when you bow to me. I've given you everything, forgiveness, all my favor. Everything, like the whole budget, everything, everything. I want to love you, Lord. That is love. And that's what happens when someone receives the righteousness of God in Christ. And in fact, they work harder and longer because the way they start is clear. I will work until I die for what I have received. That's the gospel. I want our church to know this and respond to this. Why do you wake up tomorrow morning, six o'clock or five o'clock or four o'clock? Are you working for his love or are you waking up to love him? Shift tonight. Can we just have that table up again? Shift across. Why are you on the stage? I know it's nice when people say thank you. But the gospel has taught us you can be here having received everything in Christ. You're just here loving. Such a heart will keep on. Amen. We should know the gospel in a time when it's getting diluted. Let's stand up tonight. Where you are standing, I want you just to, if we can have that graph up, if, if that's possible, um, guys, that blue one. I want you to look at it and I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself, where am I? Have I moved to, to the right or is there certain areas of my life stuck in the left side? I'm going to help you. It's hard to locate it, but I'm going to help you. Constantly frustrated? Get out of the left side. Constantly comparing? Get out of the left side. Constantly anxious? Don't be anxious, okay? It's not dependent on you. Be free.
Say, thank you, Jesus. Worship. Spend that time that you are anxious in giving thanks. Move over. Why do you go into the missions field? To be accepted by God? It's the wrong heart. You don't love the people. You're only working for your own acceptance. The one who is fully loved by God and knows it and goes out goes because he loves. The other one works. The older son works for the acceptance of the father when he's accepted all along. Amen? So I want us just to worship tonight. Where you are standing, just... Won't you just open your hands or lift up your hands or whatever you want to do. If you want to sit, you can sit. But I want you to connect with Jesus, the one who passively obeyed. It wasn't really passive, but it's called the passive obedience to describe for you laying down on the cross that your sins would be paid. Did you know that? Maybe in your mind, grab it with your heart. Say, thank you, Jesus. I do not have to pay for everything in my life because I would be in great trouble. Worshiping, where you are standing, say, Lord, I'm moving over to the right-hand side where I no longer rely on myself. I'll only hurt myself very deeply. I rely on you, my Savior, my love, my everything.